Welcome to the Urology Coding and Reimbursement Podcast, where we help urologists and staff achieve peak economic and practice efficiency so there is time and energy to focus on patient care and a happy life. I'm your host, Scott Painter, with my co-hosts, Mark Painter and Dr. Ray Painter. Welcome to episode 92 of the Urology Coding and Reimbursement Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Painter, with my co-host, Mark Painter and Dr. Ray Painter. And uh, this week, again, we're going to tackle some uh, FAQs from our communities, uh, our forums, and we have uh, three that we're going to answer today. So let's go ahead and get started. Um, The first one we have is from Kelly, and Kelly asks, if a patient is being set up for a telemedicine visit with a MD in the MD's secondary clinic and the MD is in his or her primary clinic, do we bill under the primary clinic with the place of service too? Also, should documentation support where the patient is located? So that's an interesting question, Um, Kelly. um, A couple of different things um, relative to coverage on this, but um, I'm going to start with the fact that I'm assuming that this service has happened or has recently happened or is about to happen. We are still under the public health emergency. Um, so we are going to use the public health emergency rules for telehealth um, in this regard. So um, because we're under the health, public health emergency, and we're going to do that for a couple reasons. One is obviously the public health emergency is still in place. Um, we will see it renew probably in the next few days because it's set to expire on April 16th, but they have not told us they're retiring it. So we're going to assume it's going to run through July as they have committed, and we'll keep an eye on that. Um, but the so under the current rules of the public health emergency, then the we would use place of service 11 and would be billed as if the visit would have been conducted in person, meaning where the physician is located when the service is being provided. That's the public health emergency rules. Um, so you would bill it as where the physician's located, so that would be under the primary clinic with place of service 11 in this particular instance. Um, We've got a couple of issues if we look after the public health emergency um, with the rules as they remain currently that wouldn't allow me to answer this question fully. Um, So could this be billed under place of service 02? Maybe. Um, but coverage might be a separate issue. Um, the secondary clinic would have to be located in a health uh, shortage area, a rural clinic area, in order for that to work. Um, and then secondarily, one of the things they have not addressed yet is what would happen if you use place of service 02 Um for the physician services, and there was no actual bill from uh, the secondary place, which was a facility-only bill, which your secondary clinic is probably not set up to do. So we'd have to find a few different 
things available to us and do a little bit more research for after the public health emergency. But during the public health emergency, you would use place of service 11 in the primary clinic under the PHE rules. All right. That, that's that's pretty clear. Ray, any thoughts on that? No thoughts. Okay. All right. And the next question we have um, from Amit is, how should I code for bladder interstitial fiduciary marker placements in a female patient? The markers are placed cystoscopically and are used to guide radiation therapy for bladder cancer. For male patients, we are using the 55876, but that is rejected for female patients. Is there an unlisted code for cysto procedures that we can use or any other equivalent code? Okay, before I jump to that, I did want to let you know that it is official um, that the public health emergency has been extended um, and renewed um, as of April 16th. So that has already been signed. So I just wanted to let you know that it's official. Um, so we don't need to check back with you on that one. It's definitely extended. Okay, so back to this question. Um, so, um, you know, basically the 55876 is for the, in, the, the insertion of fiducial markers in the prostate or for interstitial fiducial marker pace, placement in the prostate. So regardless of whether the patient was female or male, that 55876 would not be an appropriate code um, for placement of fiducial markers in the bladder. Um, so we're definitely, uh, we, we got to steer clear of that 55876. Now, given what was provided, we can definitely bill for the TURBT. It looks like a large TURBT of 52240. Um, and then as far as looking at how we can charge for the interstitial fiducial marker, uh, marker placement within the bladder, um, did not see any codes for uh, placement of interstitial markers at all within the bladder. Um, so we're going to be a little bit stuck probably with an unlisted code, a 53899. I wish there was another way I could give that to you, but it doesn't look like um, we've got anything available to us uh, to use right now. So um, we do have an insertion of a radioactive substance code, the 52250. Um, which might be a good one to equate it to um, when using the 53899 to try and come up with RVUs or a fee. All right, and that, uh, Mark, you said uh, in, the, in the initial statement, you said that the 55876, is, you know, was obviously the, in the prostate. So 
Um, so that would both apply to male and females if you're doing the fiducial marker placements in the bladder. Is that correct? That is correct. Okay. Uh, Ray, any thoughts, comments? Just to be clear, you're talking about using the unlisted code for both male and female. Yes. All right. I wanted to just define what you said that, Scott. <laughs> what What is the definition of that? No. Thank you. In this, in this case, at 53899. <laughs> All right. Okay. Let's move on to the final uh, question. And uh, this did spark uh, a lot of conversation amongst us, uh, the three of us. So uh, this question is, is CPT code 64646 correct to bill for Botox injection to pelvic floor? In description of the procedure, my doctor states the entire length of the levator musculature was injected on either side, injected 100 units on each side with spinal needle. So the question is, is that the correct code, the 64646? So I'm going to say maybe. Um, we've got a couple of different issues on this. Um, now, we've done some research on this prior um, when we were looking into folks that were doing um, Botox injections into the pelvic floor for, uh, for pain specifically. Um, and Augs has an article from a Q&A side um, that indicated that the most appropriate code for Botox injection into the pelvic floor for treatment of pain um, was really uh, the 20552 or 20553, in this case, the 20552 for the, for the levator muscle. Um, so um, that would be a trigger point um, injection, really looking at targeting specific areas that were um, uh, affected by uh, contracture or something along those lines that you're trying to, to take care of those particular issues. Um, now, on the other side of the coin, the 64646 um, is a chemo denervation code for a trunk muscle. Um, and, you know, ultimately that may not be an approved use under a number of things. We looked through a few LCDs from both private and, uh, and we didn't see anything for Medicare um, talking about that, the use of Botox here. But um, you may have some issues there. And ultimately, if you are doing chemodenervation um, for the muscle relative to um, uh, spasms that are intermittent, some of those types of things, the 64646 might be appropriate, but may, may not be covered. Um, that's, that's out there. So you got a couple things to consider on this. Um, one would be why you're doing it. Um, two would be, you know, what is the, the targeting methodology that's used? Um, and that's kind of what I would see as two different options to charge for that. 
Of course, the Botox would be billed under the J code. And we also uh, found in the parenthetical that uh, the description of, you know, kind of the chemo denervation, and, and that was kind of our question too, is it, you know, is it a permanent thing or, a, you know, can it be temporary? And wasn't that clear? This, there wasn't a, a definite black or white answer. It does. I, I think I, I feel a little more comfortable saying that, you know, with that, we didn't we're not destroying the nerve, um, which was, I think, the way it may have been the way that it's laid out within CPT that caused us confusion when we went through it all. Um, so I'm I'm a little more comfortable with chemo denervation being it's OK that it's temporary for the muscle like we use for the bladder, Botox and those types of things, as opposed to the destruction of the nerve codes that were also included in that same section. So I, I and although we did have that as a <coughs> discussion issue and I was on the other side, I, I'm now much more comfortable saying the chemo denervation code may not be incorrect, but it may not be correct based on how you're using it. Ray, what do you think? Well, I came down on the fact that chemo denervation is being used for Botox injection and, and would be correct. Uh, but it's only approved for a certain limited number of issues. And it looks like uh, an injection into the levator muscle might not be a, an approval. But if that's what you're doing and that's what you're doing it for, that is the correct coding. But if it could be, if it was for pain or a trigger, then you could use the other code that Mark uh, mentioned. So, uh, I think it's either one are correct for the procedure. It's just how you're doing is what you need to look at. Now, how wrong am I, Mark? No, I think you're right. I mean, I think that's we're we're in agreement that that it's it's about why and what you're shooting for, and and both of those things would make a difference on which code. To, to go for, and then coverage may be an issue either way. <laughs> um, although they do pay for trigger point injections for pain treatment and control of pain um, in a lot of payers. So, so you might have a little bit better chance with the 20552. Um, but there's also the issue of, you know, what, what diagnosis code you use as to whether or not that would be covered. And, and I, think, I you, think we should mention at this point that it is incorrect to bill just to get paid. You have to be accurate in how you bill. And if it was for uh, other than pain and trigger point injection, why then you should use the 4646, I mean the 64646. <laughs> And you know you're probably going to have to appeal it. Well, but that's the way all new things get paid eventually. Or or charge the patient if it's really non-covered as a non, non-approved or experimental service. Yes. All right. 
and this and, is one. Go ahead, Scott. I'm sorry. I was going to say. I was just going to make one uh, one comment of and and Mark, you I think you said when we were discussing this that the the two zero five five two you had successfully being reimbursed, uh, but you had the diagnosis of pain. Is that correct? They were using it for treatment of pelvic floor pain. Yes. Right. So, so if you do use the six four six four six, that'd be a good time to get an ABN before you inject, right? Yeah, absolutely. Until you figure out that it's non-covered. If it's non-covered and you've got that figured out, now you can treat it as a cash pay until we get coverage. And for non-coverage, you don't need an ABN, right? Correct. You don't need an ABN and you are not restricted on what you charge. With an ABN, you're still restricted on charges. Because that that is it's potentially covered. So you've got to stay within the Medicare limits. All right. So float one and see where you are, huh? Uh, unfortunately, I think that's right, and I would get the ABN if I'm using the 64646 because I'm treating it, I'm using it as a treatment um, for uh, the, the pelvic floor knot that is focused on pelvic floor pain or uh, the, you know, the specific targeting of the trigger points. And uh, and when you refer to the dogs, the, the, uh, the Ameri- American Urogynological society uh faq that was uh do you know when that was we don't i don't think we saw a date on that they did not have a date on it that i noticed i didn't either okay all right anything else on the on the subject not for me not for me all right well we'll wrap it up there i did want to mention uh that we are just announcing and uh, this is available as a, as a special to podcast listeners and other uh, PRS Network VIP customers. But right now, we have opened up registration for a special July uh, online workshop. And it's uh, the uh, Urologist Coding Workshop. And it's for urologists, whether it's employed or whether you're employed, whether you're private practice, also APPs, and uh, coders, admins, and billers are, are welcome to attend as well. But really, it's geared to really beef up the general coding knowledge of uh, the providers. So we want to make it interactive. It's going to be uh, July 23rd from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. Eastern Time, and it's an online interactive workshop. And we encourage you all to, to go get signed up, and uh, that special pricing is going to be available uh, before we open it up to general registration. And that uh, you can go to prsnetwork.com forward slash 092 to get the link to go to register for the, the workshop. And Mark, Ray, do you want to add anything uh, about what what we're going to do in that and why this is uh, uh, special and and why is it needed? Well, so I'm, I'll add that I, I'm, I'm looking forward to working with John Linnigan um, to deliver this program. Um, and ultimately, this uh, really uh, came about 
uh, in response to a request um, from uh, somebody at the 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 TTUP, right? The face group. Uh, from yeah, John- the, the Thriving Urology Practice Facebook group uh, run by Dr. John Lynn. Yes. That, um, that, you know, a couple of folks wanted some, uh, a shorter course um, to, to really focus on the physician aspects of, of coding and getting better on coding. Um, you know, for the employed physician, making sure that you're billing for everything you do or coding for everything you do before the billing department does or does not follow up on those things. And then the uh, for the private practice urologist, uh, you know, a more condensed um, course on a Saturday so you didn't have to take time off of, of work to go through this. Um, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's going to be focused just on coding. We're going to touch E&M and modifiers and globals and talk a lot about the documentation requirements and um, as usual we use uh, if it goes as we normally do there'll be a lot of interaction questions um, specific circumstances that uh, you can learn from others as well as from john and i so we're excited to do the program ray thoughts i I think it's great i'm looking forward to to it, and uh, I know there's a need for it because, again, you don't know what you don't know until you're exposed to it. <laughs> yes, you don't know what you don't know. Heard that a lot on this, and uh, that just uh, is so true uh, when it comes to coding. A lot of blind spots. Okay. With that, we'll wrap it up there. Um, Take us out, Ray. Happy Cody. Thank you for listening to the Urology Coding and Reimbursement Podcast, where we help urologists and their staff maximize income and efficiencies so there's time and energy for patient care and a happy life. Special thanks to Carl Painter for the music today. You can find his music on Spotify under his record label, The Juicery.